Inroad to Gen Con, a series of short podcasts reflecting on the people, events, and experiences of Gen Con 2014 from our Inroads team. Episode 1 The Question and the Con. At this point last week, I was still on the road back to New Jersey from Indianapolis. It was a long, hard trip for a number of reasons, but it was still worth it in the end. As the events wound down and the booth got cleared away, I could look back on four days of great conversations, time spent with good friends and occasionally stepping out to talk about a game or, on rare instances, actually getting to play one. That rarity was definitely true this year, as I was working the convention. I had places to be and people to talk to, which meant that I left the best four days of gaming having only really played one actual game. Before I get into more detail about what happened there and and some of the stuff that happened in the booth and around Gen Con in general, there's a couple little interesting things, interesting little tidbits, I'll say, that I kind of wanted to share with you guys. As mentioned, I only got to play one game in its completion. That game was Abyss. It's put out by Asmodee, who literally just announced that they bought Days of Wonder, so good for them. This was one of them that I had mentioned in the past, having stunning artwork and having a level of complexity that's both really simple to pick up, but really interesting and and deep in its play. Really, at its, at its core, it's a multi-level card game. Each person is allowed one action per turn, and you can choose to what they call plumb the depths or explore the depths to find little allies to come and help you. Uh, You can seek aid from the council, which is basically a fancy way of saying all those allies that didn't get picked last time, you can pick all of them from one color. Or you can recruit lords that are going to help and be on your side to to help you become the Lord of the Abyss. I'm going to tell you this game did not disappoint me. It Honestly, it is simple. It is easy to pick up. But, man, I could just see how after a couple of times just wrestling with the the when to to pick certain people and do I go for this lord and and get, you know, do I have the right allies for this guy to recruit him or or do I buy this and give that person more money? The short version, definitely check out Abyss. It is well worth your time. I did get to watch a game of XCOM being played. I did not get to play it, partly because of lack of time, but partly because there was a constant swarm of people clinging to the table for their chance to get in and play it. So the big question of that game, however, is to, you know, whether or not the app works well with with the board game. Because so many times there are companies in the past who, you know, we can look all the way back to the old VHS and DVD board games. There are board games that have involved, like, push this button and, and you'll hear a voice or whatever. There's Is XCOM just a gimmick, or does it really utilize the app well? And from what I've seen, I'm going to tell you that it utilizes it very well. It, it provides a great way to make the game infinitely replayable. Uh, it keeps track of a lot of the stuff that normally would be tedious and, would, and allows you to speed up the game significantly. It was a ton of fun just to watch this game. So I can only imagine that when it finally comes out, I want to own it because it looks like it would be incredibly fun to play, especially for guys like me who have fallen in love with the XCOM computer game. I can also say that I got my hands on a, on a 5th edition player's handbook. I, You know, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I've already talked about kind of the my change of heart for D&D 5th edition. 
But having looked at the book and having poured over its pages, I will tell you that everything I said, I'm going to say it doubly. The If you liked the old school D&D experience and wished that there were more opportunity to have a very similar experience, pick up 5th edition. It, it harkens back to a lot of, of the great stuff that, that we fell in love with with the older editions and kind of missed in this most recent one. If if 4 is your thing, I'll even tell you that if 4 is your thing, you'll still enjoy this. It will be a completely different experience for you, but I think that they've streamlined it enough that you can do away with a lot of the, the old charts that, that bogged down the old systems and and still have a nice streamlined role-playing experience. Definitely check it out if you're interested in role-playing in, in a very classic setting. There, there were more things that I could talk about, but really, there's going to be an, a whole other episode here. This is only episode one. Episode two will have stuff like the church service and the panel and interviews. There are so many great people I talked with, so many great things I experienced, and it's really hard to put all of them down in in a format like this that wouldn't take like three hours. So I'm, I'm trying to break it up and trying to give you only the best stuff from this this whole Gen Con experience of this year. What I will say is that since this was my first year to bring inroads to Gen Con, I thought it was important that I up my podcasting game, as it were. I, I brought a little digital recorder with me, and I asked con attendees, artists, game designers, and pretty much any person I came in contact with for any <laughs> decent length of time that was you know walking around the dealer hall... I asked them all the same question. What's one thing you wish the churches knew about gaming? I asked people regardless of their faith or, or lack thereof and was pretty pleased with the responses I got in return. Now, to be to be clear, there were some that really either didn't like the question, they weren't fans of what we were trying to do, or, or some of them were just going out of their way to break Wheaton's Law. But... I'm not going to take up airtime with them right now. Now, some people might think that that's, you know, just avoiding people with criticisms. And and I'm going to tell you right now, I have no problem with criticism. I have no problem with, with, uh, harshness towards the kind of experiences that churches have had towards gamers in the past. I have no problem owning up to that as part of the, the collective that is Christianity and, and the church with the big C. I have no problem with that. Heck, uh, in the other episode, we're going to have an interview with folks from Dark Dungeons. I have to acknowledge that that sort of behavior is in our past. I think we all do. I think we have to acknowledge that Dark Dungeons is a thing, and we have to bear the brunt of the criticisms that gamers would have in light of that, in light of the moral panic. We, it, It's part of our history. There's a difference, however, between criticism and straight-up mockery. And... I, I don't want to take up your time or my time with, with just straight-up mockery. It doesn't do any of us any good. That being said, I just want to share with you a couple of the ones that were my absolute favorites. Afterwards, I'm going to come back and say a couple more things, just, just to kind of sum up what it is. But right now, I'm just going to give you some of the, the cool things that were shared with me at Gen Con. All right, guys, I'm here with Heather, and I'm here asking her the question of the day. That is, what is one thing that you wish that churches knew about gaming? 
I guess not to be afraid or give in to maybe a stigma that you have to be concerned about weirdness about it. I don't know that um, they're just like everybody else and just to think of them as everybody else and see them the way Jesus sees them and, you know, not put any kind of labels. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for stopping by. Well, um, I would say that it's more than just gameplay, but more than just gameplay, it's also story that I think matters with gaming because, you see, I don't really play games as much, but um, one thing I like about them, though, is the story elements. That's something I've really kept an eye on for a long time. I'm here with a gentleman who I've known for a while now because he's been part of our play-by-both. I've known him as Fedrin, but his name is Chris. Chris, I have one question for you. What is one thing that you wish churches knew about gaming? They need to know the, the quality, basically what it can do for a family or a small group, where you can sit down, you can, you can talk. It's, you know, there's nothing else going on. There's no TVs going on. Well, sometimes there are. <laughs> but, you know, it's an opportunity for families to sit down or friends to sit down and just have some conversation with other things going on. And there's nothing... Uh, uh, it's a time of honesty. You can joke. You can, you can laugh. But there's, it's sorely missing. Most of the time people are sitting in front of a TV, you know, or watching a movie. And there's no conversation that goes on. And that's, you know, especially with gaming, you're just doing nothing but talking. And it's a time, you know, that you can shut everything else out and do that. And, like, uh, you know, I've got, I'm here with my uncle and a cousin. We've been playing together for, uh, well, almost uh, 25 years. And the, the prime reason is that it's gaming. It was very cool. Well, thanks. It is definitely cool to meet you in person, Absolutely. especially because my dwarf and your uppity mage uh, <laughs> get a little bit, you know, in each other's faces occasionally. And well, really, my dwarf gets in your face and you just kind of go, what the heck is wrong with you? So uh, this is good to meet you and Absolutely. glad you're here at the con. Yeah, it's great to be here. All right. The question of the con is, what's one thing you wish churches knew about gaming? All right. Just like with games... God is not just what comes in the box. Okay, I officially love that answer. It's all about community. I mean, uh, my church, our entire motto is church doesn't start until the service ends. So when people can get together and game, it's building that fellowship and community. And that, I mean, that's like our core foundation for my church. I wish that churches knew what kind of community it actually brings because it's not like as soon as you start gaming, things go awry, and the community helps prevent things from happening that they claim do. But besides that, you you get to be with people, and gaming also brings you out into the community where the broken people are and afford them the ability to talk to you and really for you to be a bridge to Christ for them and hopefully bring them around. What is one thing that you wish churches knew about gaming? The one thing I want churches to know about gaming is that to truly understand it, you must experience it firsthand. You must uh, be willing to uh, explore it, and you'll find out the real truth for yourself if you just explore it. Dave was getting jealous here because I kept asking all these other people this question and didn't get to ask him. So I'm going to ask you, Dave, what's one thing you wish churches knew about gaming? That 4th edition D&D sucks. What is one thing that you wish churches knew about gaming? I wish churches knew that it required a diverse party. I'm here with Sonia and Ben, and I'm going to ask them the question of the con, which is, what is one thing that you wish churches knew about gaming? 
that when parents share their children's interests rather than trying to shut them out, children are more likely to stay with their parents' beliefs. That's fantastic. And Ben, what about you? Gaming draws a lot from our literary tradition, including some famous Christian apologists such as Tolkien and Lewis. And one thing a lot of people don't realize is because it has trappings of things that may appear supernatural, pagan, or coming from non-Christian sources, if you actually play many of the games here, the actual lessons being taught by the game is very much coming from the Judeo-Christian sort of morality of teamwork, doing basically right by others, and improving the lot of the world. So whether you're a Christian, Jewish, or something else, there's a lot that can be gained simply from playing non-educational games that still reinforce positive lessons. I gotta say, this is kind of impressive. I did not think this was going to happen. I'm actually standing with a good portion of the guys from Shut Up and Sit Down, and I'm actually going to get to ask them the question that I've been asking around the con. So, what is one thing that you wish that churches knew about gaming? I would say, the most important thing, know that it brings people together and it gets them sat in the same place talking and enjoying themselves. If it's, if it's one thing that, that it's a hobby that brings people together, that's what I would say. Well, thank you very much. I don't know if you guys have anything else you want to add to that, or yeah, I would just say that, that the themes of a lot of board games don't don't aren't don't run contrary to any of the tenets of most major religions. Like a, a lot of them don't. So it's, it's it's something you can get into. I think you'd be fine with. And at the end of the day, it's game. It's supposed to have fun. So it's not it's not supposed to be a a big you know a religious thing. Yeah, because that's, that's a lot of what we deal with is a lot of people saying that something's going to lead you straight down the path to hell and we're like, it's, we're just rolling dice and yeah. playing a game. Yeah, that's running it. That's farm. all. Running a farm. <laughs> running a farm, yeah. So thank you so much. Matt, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add. or I, I just say I think one of the things about playing is uh, it's, it's really good for, as you say, like it's, it brings people together and also it starts conversations and it, it's really good for the imagination. I think it's, it's really good for, for the mind and being able to just sort of visualize things and I think especially in that sort of environment it's, it's good to have like stimulus sometimes I, I like to play games with friends because it, it ends up sparking off new conversations and sparking off new things and I think that's you know for any co- community that's a, a good thing yeah. alright well thank you guys so much for doing that I uh, hope you guys have a good con thank you thanks yeah so there's a couple reasons why I put the guys that shut up and sit down at the end of this part of it is because they're the guys from shut up and sit down and and I'm still amazed by that. I mean, I it, it started out oddly enough. I was playing Abyss, and I look over to the table to the left of me, and there are all the guys from Shut Up and Sit Down playing Cash and Guns. Which, by the way, if I was to name one game that I wish I had been able to play, it's the new edition of Cash and Guns. It looked amazing, and it looked super fun. So I I, I hope to get that in the future and uh, get my hands on that and to talk to you guys about how awesome that game is. But really, these guys had just gotten done with their game. I was watching the game because I was interested in it. And I just shook their hands and said, guys, you know, I really love what you guys do. We don't really do reviews on our show. So pretty much when people are asking us for reviews, you guys are one of the shows I point to. And they were really appreciative, really nice guys. And it's one thing when you think that a person's going to be nice because you see them in interviews or you see them on the, the stuff that they create. But meeting those guys was really fun just because they're just guys who love games, who love to think about games, who 
who enjoy the the ins and outs of the gaming community and it was it was really great to meet them i hope that i can run into them again at, at future cons the other reason that, though is the fact that the three of them summed up everything so nicely the, th- the common themes that were throughout the responses were themes of community, themes of being together. I, I love what, what Chris said when he said that it's it's a time to, to put all the other stuff away. Put, that, put away the TV, put away the phones, which, oh my goodness, putting away the phones is like ripping away an arm for some people. And, and really makes people interact with each other and build conversations and build that relationship that... A lot of times we just end up having on a surface level otherwise. There's also the running theme that that Brendan mentioned in the middle there. Just the idea that there's so much fear and worry that the theme and the the activity of gaming is going to lead you down into something kind of dark and and devious. And, you know, I I want to say that that's overstatement or overspoken or really isn't a mindset that people have anymore. But I get it all the time. When I'm in churches, even my own church, even people who know me and who've known me for years still come up to me and ask about about the dangers of gaming. And, I, and it it's really something that we, we really hope at Inroads to, to kind of push aside this, this notion that, that the game in and of itself is going to somehow take us away from God and send us down a path of, of evil and destruction. It's just a game. Guys, I hope you've listened to these little snippets of conversations that I had at the con this year. Now, like, like I said, this isn't all of them, but this is kind of my favorites, my my overall favorite experiences of just talking to people throughout the four days of Gen Con. And I hope that as you listen to these, you're thinking about just how you can relate to other people through gaming, how you can can share the love of God, perhaps, with the people that, that you play with on a regular basis. And I hope that, that you can see just ways that you can tear down boundaries. Like I said earlier, there are people that I talked to that had, like, a deep, deep faith. I talked to ministers and pastors of all sorts of different denominations. I talked to people who had absolutely no claim to faith whatsoever. We had people who actively said there was no God, but at the same point were still willing to talk to us about ways that we could help churches understand the power of gaming. And I love that because at the table, it doesn't matter. At the table, we put that stuff aside, that we build those relationships, we we foster community in ways that we can't. All the little silly fights and all the, the, the tussles that we have outside into the world, when you get down at the table, you put them aside. And I really hope that, that next year, as we start looking to recruit some more folks to come with us, as we want to do stuff like run games as inroads, I, I hope that you guys would think about coming out with us. We need hands at the booth. We need hands walking around. I want people to demo games because I want to be able to come back with stories about what cool games there were. Uh, and I can only tell you about Abyss for certain. Everything else is is second and third hand. So consider coming out with us. Uh, consider and even begin praying how you can come out with us to Gen Con next year to to be amongst this community, to be just a representative of God amongst the people who think that that... God either doesn't listen to them, doesn't exist, or actively hates them. We need to be there to stand in the middle and say, 
no guys we are just like you we are a part of you and and we're here to show you about who god is and how much he cares for you I know this isn't a, an official podcast episode. It's kind of our, our falls into the gap of bonus content, but I, I can't help but say it. God truly is the game master, and whether you're at Gen Con, at Gen Cant, or just sitting around your dining room table wondering what gaming is all about, know that He's there for you, and know that we stand with you as you try to find Him. <laughs>